Good morning, everybody. I'm thankful you've joined us for this worship service. I've titled today's message, From Where I Stand, because I want to talk about perspective. You know, how how we see things matter, and all of us have our own perspective on everything in life, whether it's the issues taking place in America or our relationship with Jesus Christ. We all see things through the lens that is that is me through my eyes and, and, and my perspective and the reality is that everybody has a different perspective and some of them are similar but some of them are really really different and you see that in our culture I mean we're living in a very divided nation whether it's politics uh, the pandemic and COVID-19 policing and race relations whether it's the protest or the riots different lens different perspectives different thoughts different understandings of all of those issues but you see, the, the problem is that, that from where I stand, from my perspective, I, I may not see the whole picture. And from where you stand, from your perspective, you may not see the whole picture either. Because I haven't stood where that person stands. I haven't seen things through their eyes and through their experiences in life. And so I don't see the whole picture. I don't see it all very, very clearly. And, and we, we know that in life, Gaining a broader perspective can be a very good thing, can be a very helpful thing. One of my favorite places to visit in America is the Grand Canyon because it's so spectacular and words, you know, words are inadequate to describe it. Monisa and I visited the canyon the first time when we were a young couple, just the two of us, and we spent a couple of days there. Actually, stayed in a in a, in, in one of the hotels on in a, inside the park, and 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 I just looked from the south rim and and just took it all in. Then several years later, we went back with my mother and our two children who were in high school at the time and again went to the south rim and took it in for another two days and and I think I could stare at it forever and still not see it all. But there was a time I was flying to San Diego, and our plane was ahead of schedule, so the pilot got permission to drop down a little lower, and he dipped his wing so we could look out and view the canyon from above. And then he made a circle, turned the plane around, and, and he dipped, it, dipped the other wing and, and allowed the people on that side to see the canyon. And I have to tell you, having already been there twice and standing on the south rim, seeing it from the sky above gave me a completely new and different and, and bigger perspective of the grandeur of the Grand Canyon that I could not have gotten otherwise. A few years ago, Monisa and I were in Italy, and we spent some time in Rome, and one of the places I wanted to visit was Circus Maximus, in part because it's famous as the, the chariot racetrack that uh, you've seen in the movie Ben-Hur, where those chariots would go around that long, oblong track that seated several hundred thousand people. But what a lot of people didn't know, and the other reason I wanted to visit, is it is the place where some of the very first Christian martyrs uh, lost their lives at the hand of the Roman government. Yes, in the Colosseum, but also at Circus Maximus. It may be the place that the Apostle Paul was executed. We're not sure, but it could have been. And, and I wanted to visit there. And, it, and it's not a, a popular tourist attraction, but when you go, it's covered in grass, and you can still see the outline of the racetrack and the elevated section in the middle and the banks all the way around where the stands had been, and they're only now excavating it. But I walked out on that field standing in that track and on that bank where I knew that brothers and sisters of J in Jesus 2,000 years ago lost their lives for the faith. And, and knowing that there had been the blood of saints on that ground in the past, somehow it just touched my heart. 
and 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 i have such a different perspective of that place it's not just an historical landmark anymore for me it's it's a spiritual place because of the saints and their martyrdom and i'm blessed and i'm thankful i have that new perspective i was raised in the mountains of southeastern kentucky and and I could climb to the top of the mountain on our farm, and, and I could see the 120-acre farm in a way I never could from the valley below. Or in the late fall or winter when the leaves had dropped, I could look on either side of the mountain and see in the distance for miles. And, and it gave me a new perspective on those roads that wound around those mountains that might take me 10 minutes to drive, but I could stand in that one place on top of that mountain and see all of it perspective. And I want to say to you and me, as followers of Jesus Christ, that sometimes we don't see who we are in Christ clearly enough. And today I want to encourage you by helping you have a better perspective, a richer perspective on who you are in Jesus Christ, on both your past, your future, and your present. We are reading the New Testament this year at our church and following a specific plan. And, and this past week we're in the book of Romans and uh, there, there was a phrase in Romans chapter 5 that God used to grab my heart. And it really blessed me. And I want to share it with you and then, and, and then share some things that I think will encourage you and hope you, help you. So if you have your Bible, Romans chapter 5, I want to begin by just reading the first two verses, okay? Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, where he says, Therefore, having been justified by, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom? Through Jesus, we have obtained our introduction by faith, now here's the phrase that caught my attention, obtained our introduction by faith into this grace, into this grace in which we stand, or one translation is in which we now stand. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit used that phrase, this grace in which we now stand, to grab my heart and make me think about who am I as a disciple, and what is my future what is my life as a follower of jesus christ this grace in which we stand and i had this image of, of a, a beautiful meadow with the flowers blooming and the birds chirping in the distance and maybe trees on the horizon and i'm standing in this meadow on a beautiful day and i could i could take in a full 360 panorama i could look all around and see the different scenery i could look up and see the beautiful sky and the clouds and the blue i could look down at the flowers blooming at my feet i could hear the sounds of god's beautiful creation and there was such peace and that's the image that came to mind when I thought about, I am standing in God's grace. I'm, I'm standing here, and in these first 10 verses of Romans 5, God allows me spiritually, if you will, to do a, a panoramic view of my life as a disciple. He, he allowed me in these 10 verses to look to the past. He allows me in these 10 verses to look to the future. And he allows me in these verses to look down at my feet and see where I am today. And it gave me a fuller picture of who I am and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it blessed me. And I want to bless you by helping you have a better perspective, a better vision, a better understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ. I want us to begin by reading these verses and then talk about our past, our future, and our present as followers of Jesus Christ. We read the first two verses. At the end of verse 2, he says, While we're standing in this grace, we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult or boast or rejoice in our tribulations. 
Yeah, that's what he says. In our tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because, listen to this, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Then verse 6, and while we were still helpless, talking about our past now, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. One will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. Then verse 8, but God demonstrates, He shows His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, our past while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, there's more than that. He said there's more coming. Having now been justified by His blood, we shall, talking about our future, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall, our future, we shall be saved by His life. Now let me help you get a fuller picture of what it means to be a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Your past, your future, and your present. He describes our past before we were in a relationship with Jesus Christ as being helpless, as us being ungodly, being sinners, being enemies of God, if you will. And when he says we were helpless, it means we were spiritually weak, spiritually sick, without spiritual strength. We, we, had, we, we did not have good standing with God because we were sinners. And sinners means that we missed the mark. We came up short of God's expectations for each of us. All of us have sinned. All of us have come up short. All of us are spiritually weak without Jesus Christ. And when he says ungodly, it means that we had a lack of reverence and respect for God. We may have believed that there was a God. We may have even prayed to Him occasionally, asking Him to help us with issues. But we didn't reverence God the way we were supposed to. We didn't obey God the way we were supposed to. We didn't love and serve God the way we were supposed to. And he says, on some level, we were even enemies of God. There's a level of hostility. And on the part of some today, even some hatred toward God. Now, I recognize this is not how most people see themselves. And maybe it's not the way you used to see yourself. But the truth is, apart from Jesus Christ, this is the reality for all of us. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are spiritually helpless. We are ungodly. We are sinners. And we are enemies of God. And need, we need a change in our circumstance. And what happens, he says, is that for all of us who were followers of Christ in the past, while all of that was true of us, in the past there was a moment when it all changed. There was a moment when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. There was a moment when you committed yourself to Jesus Christ. When we became followers, disciples of Jesus, and since then we've been living for Him. And He tells us in this chapter, in that moment when you gave your life to Christ, what was changed for you. What was changed for me. And we're all thankful for that. He says what changed at that point in the past when you became a follower of Jesus is that suddenly rather than being a sinner who was ungodly and spiritually helpless and an enemy of God, you became somebody who was justified. What does that mean? Justified is a legal term. It means that you have been, de you have been declared righteous. God has said you are right with him. It's as though all charges against you have been dismissed and no longer are you viewed as ungodly. No longer are you viewed as an enemy of God. No longer are you viewed as a sinner. No longer are you viewed as someone who is spiritually helpless. You've been justified, declared righteous, declared right with God. And then he says that when that moment came in your past, you were also reconciled to God. That means that you exchanged enmity with God for friendship with God. 
and that because of that you were placed in a radically new situation a radically new spiritual condition it's like you were asleep throughout the night and suddenly in the morning you were awakened by the alarm clock and now you're no longer sleeping but you're awake everything changed as soon as that alarm clock sounded there was the night there was the time you were asleep the time you were dead in your sin but you gave your life to jesus it's like the moment when the alarm sounded and now you're awake you're spiritually alive and everything is new it's a new day john ortberg is a christian author and presbyterian pastor out in california and he tells about attending a formal luncheon on one occasion and he was sitting at a table with several people but there was an empty chair and a man came over and sat down in this chair and ortberg was on one side of him and a very attractive woman was on the other side and this man was a smooth talker and kind of chauvinistic because the first thing he said when he sat down was he looked at that woman and 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 he said to her well what have you been doing here except turning the heads of everybody in the room? Very inappropriate comment to make the first time you see someone. Very, very chauvinistic. And so to lessen the tension, if you will, John Ortberg responded by saying, well, just eating lunch. And that got everybody to laugh, and they struck up a conversation, and eventually the conversation turned to spiritual issues and came out that John Ortberg was a pastor. And he explained to the man that he pastors a church for people who don't like church and the man found that interesting so they started talking about spiritual things even more and he he opened up and explained that he had been raised in a jewish family but since he was 11 or 12 years old he really hadn't had anything to do with the jewish faith or faith of any kind in fact he said he'd gone to a unitarian church a time or two but that was about it his life had not been very successful it had been career-wise but not relationally because he'd been divorced three times and his name was steve so John Ortberg invited Steve to come to his church, not thinking he'd ever show up. But that Sunday morning, Steve was there, sitting on the front row. And when the service was over, he hung around and he talked to John Ortberg and he got a copy of the New Testament. And then in the days ahead, Steve started reading that New Testament. He would get up in the morning and read about 20 or 30 pages every morning. And the following Sunday, he was back in church. Sunday after that, back in church. Sunday after that, back in church. And he started thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. But Steve knew that if he did, it would cost him. Because of his Jewish heritage, his family had told them if he ever became a Christian, they would disown him. But he made the decision anyway. And he gave his life to Jesus, and he's living for Jesus Christ. See, your past... The fact that maybe today you still are not showing the reverence you need to for God. You're not showing the love for God that you need to. The fact that today you're still in your sin because you haven't repented of your sin and committed your life to Christ. The fact that today perhaps you are still ungodly, that you're not, you're not showing God the reverence that he, that he deserves, that you're spiritually helpless. That doesn't have to be your future. It can change for you today. You can become somebody new. You can, you can give your life to Christ, and you can be someone who moves from what was to what is. You, you can become somebody who is reconciled to God. You can, you can become somebody who is justified in the courtroom of heaven. But let's talk about our future. Because he says in this passage, because we've been reconciled to God and declared righteous, we've been justified, we have a relationship with Christ, he says that we shall be saved from the wrath of God. Now, what's that talking about? That's talking about that day in the future when Jesus comes back, followed by the judgment day. And the wrath of God is poured out on sinners who have not repented of their sin. 
wrath that we deserve wrath that we have earned because of our disobedience because of our lifestyles because of our decisions but what he says is because you have a relationship with christ you have been saved from that future wrath you don't have to worry about that future wrath and the word translated saved means you have been rescued from it because jesus christ died in your place even though you deserve it you've been rescued from it with all the events going on in our culture today Derek Shaven the police officer who put his knee on the neck of George George Floyd for almost nine minutes and George Floyd died that officer has now been arrested he's been fired and he's and 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 I would hate to be him I would I would hate to be him when he when he stands in front of the judge I, I would hate to be him when 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 he stands before the jury I would, I would hate to be him when he stands before George Floyd's family for the first time. And I don't know how he feels, but if it was me, I would be scared to death to be in that situation because he is facing the judgment that is due him for what he did, for the decisions that he made. And the truth is, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I'd be scared to death to stand before the great white throne of God. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ... I'd be scared to death to face the judgment of God. But because of Jesus Christ, I, before I ever show up at the courtroom of heaven, have been declared right with God. Before I ever show up at the courtroom of God, at the judgment seat of Christ, at the great white throne, before I ever get there, God has already dropped all the charges because my sins have been forgiven. I've been reconciled. I am now his friend. I am now his servant. I am now a follower of Christ and I'm declared righteous. I'm justified. And there are so many Christians and maybe you're one of them. You go through life worrying about that day. You go through life without confidence in your relationship with Christ. And what God is saying is if you have an authentic relationship with Christ, you have repented of your sin, you are living for Jesus, you are loving Jesus, you are following Jesus, you don't have to worry about that day because God will rescue you, save you from that wrath through Jesus Christ that is already guaranteed so your future is secure your future is safe and there's nothing to be afraid of and there's nothing to worry about if you are a follower of jesus a disciple of jesus christ but real quickly let me talk about our present because here i am standing in this beautiful meadow of god's grace i'm standing in god's grace and i look back and yes i was a sinner but I've been reconciled and justified. I look forward to the future and the second coming of the judgment, and I don't have to worry about that because he's going to save me from the wrath of God that my sin merits. He's going to save me from that because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so here I am today. I'm looking forward, and I'm looking backward. And in this present moment, in this present moment in verse 1, he says, I have peace with God. I have peace I'm at peace with God. And it literally means to become one, to be joined with. I'm at peace. I'm in union. I'm in fellowship. I'm in harmony with God. And then he says in this passage that God's love has been poured out within my heart. And if you're a follower of Jesus, his love has been poured out within your heart. 
And the reason we can exalt or boast or rejoice when we experience tribulation and hardships is because we know what the future holds. We know that we are safe and secure in Christ so we don't have to worry about it even when it's hard. We know that the sins of our past do not define who we are today and they will not define who we are in the future. Standing in Jesus' grace defines us now and then and it always will and because of him i know there's glory because of him i have hope because of him his love fills my heart because of jesus i'm reconciled with god i'm right with god i'm justified before god because of jesus i'm no longer helpless in my sin i have the spiritual strength of christ within me and that's what god wants for you so how can you stand in the grace of god how can your reality change so that you are placed, you are standing in the grace of God? Well, he tells us in verse 2. He says, through Jesus, notice this, through Jesus we obtained our introduction. Through Jesus we obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It is through faith in Jesus Christ that you are introduced into that metal that you are introduced into the grace of God. And faith is more than just intellectually believing Jesus is real. Faith means you believe it so much that you depend on it. You believe it so much that you commit yourself to it. You believe it so much that you say, that will be my life. Jesus will be my life. I will love him. I will live for him. I will give myself to him. I will follow him. And it begins by you realizing you need that and repenting of your sin, confessing your sin, and giving your life to Jesus. And if you do that, you don't have to worry because you're rescued, you're safe. Imagine with me, a man dies and goes to heaven. And he's standing before the great white throne of Almighty God. And here's a voice emanating from the throne asking, have you always been good? He answers, no. The voice asks, have you always done what was right? Again, he answers, no. The voice asks, have you always obeyed God? And for a third time, he has to be honest and say, no, I haven't. He hangs his head, expecting to be condemned. When suddenly, he feels a hand on his shoulder. He looks up, and it's Jesus. And Jesus looks at the throne and says, Father, I know he wasn't always good. I know he didn't always do what was right. I know he didn't always obey you. But Father... He's with me. Father, he gave himself to me. And while he wasn't perfect, he's been living for me. And he's been loving me. And he's been serving me. He's been following me. He, 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 he asked forgiveness. He committed himself to me. Father, he's with me. I'm speaking up for him. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. And he will if you'll place your faith, your heart, your life in his hands. And so I'm asking you today to bow your head and humble your heart where you are there in your house, on your porch, in your car, in the office, wherever you're watching this. I'm asking you to humble your heart, your life, and bow your head and pray to Jesus, asking him to forgive you for all the sin in your life. Repent of your sin, turn from it. Believe that he died on the cross for you to pay for your sin and that you are helpless, spiritually helpless without Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And give yourself to Jesus Christ. Commit yourself to Jesus. And then you need to go to church 
Tell the pastor what you've done. If you're in the Rock Hill area, come to First Baptist. If you're watching somewhere else, find a Bible preaching church in your community. But also let us help you. I have some material I want to send you. So if you would, call the number that's on your screen. Just send a text to that number, rather. Text the keyword Jesus to the number on your screen. And follow the prompt, follow the instructions. One of our pastors will get in touch with you. And we'll send you some information that can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ.
Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Isn't it great to know exactly who you are in Christ? I know that message challenged you in so many ways this morning, uh, and that will challenge you to grow in your walk with Christ. So uh, as we move through this week, again, we had folks in the building with us worshiping, excited to have uh, people in the room live worshiping. If that is something you're ready for, know that we're ready for you uh, for next Sunday. And once again, if you have the opportunity and you choose to and, and the Lord is leading you to give, we provide for you this method of, of giving online by texting the number on the screen. Text the keyword give and you can continue to support the ministry uh, as we go around the world financially. Thank you for being with us today. Looking forward to next Sunday.